Here's to you, pageant girl. You're a game changer. You're the underdog. You are the trendsetter. You're the one who speaks up for what you believe in. You build others up when so many others have beat them down. You don't back down in the face of adversity. And you have no respect for the haters. Some people love you. Others hate you. There are those who build you up and those who tear you down. Because the one thing they'll never do is define who you are. Because as a group, you are united as one. You hold each other up with strength. And while some may just see you as beauty queens, we see you as leaders. When the lights go out and the crown comes off, you'll always be proud to say, I am a pageant girl. Hey, it's Miss Wisconsin USA 2009, Alex Worley, and you're listening to Life After the Crown with Tim Tialdo. Hey everybody, welcome to the Life After the Crown podcast, where each episode I bring you useful interviews with former pageant contestants, title holders, and women of influence who are now succeeding across many different industries in the real world. My name is Tim Tialdo, lifestyle entrepreneur, pageant host, author, and quite honestly, somebody who just wants to help you become a better person overall. Now, if pageant life is over for you, or it soon could be, and you're wondering, well, what do I do now, or what's next? This podcast is designed to help make the transition to real life and the school of hard knocks a little bit easier for you to handle. So if this is your first time listening, thanks for tuning in. We're glad you're with us today. Let's get started. My guest today was Miss Wisconsin USA 2009. She is also a producer and TV host. She is best known for hosting the Miss USA telecast in 2015 and the preliminary competition in 2017, along with hosting ABC.com Red Carpets and E! News Now. She is currently a TV host for Business Rockstars, a digital strategist and producer for the state of Wisconsin, and has her own TV show, Empowerista, on KAZA in Southern California. She and her husband have dual residency in Los Angeles and Milwaukee, so Alex Worley, appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to come on the show. Thank you so much. This is so fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, can I talk about that dual residency real quick? I think that's really interesting. I don't hear a lot of people that actually do that or have the ability to do that. So talk about you know why you're doing it and what happened. Yeah, it's a new thing, so I'm still kind of wrapping my head around it. But, you know, of course, Wisconsin is home, hence the title, Miss Wisconsin USA 2009. And I moved all around the country for about eight years for my work. I started in local television. I was a morning news anchor and then lived exclusively in Los Angeles for three and a half years doing national TV work. And a couple things happened. Um, one, my husband, he actually went viral with his comedy series. Yes. And it happens to be a parody of Wisconsin culture. <laughs> so, he, I, yeah, it, it sounds like the strangest thing, but I swear I'm not making it up. <laughs> and he gets so much work in Wisconsin. So he's constantly selling out stand-up shows in Wisconsin. All of his sponsors for his video series are here. And it was bringing us back all the time or just him back alone. And I'd be, you know, left in California. Not that that's so bad. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we, we were wanting to be together a little bit more. And also it's funny because in the back of my mind, I've 
always secretively wanted to be closer to family more. So it kind of worked out perfectly for both of us to be in Wisconsin more. And we were staying with our parents when we would come back. And we love our parents, but after you're doing it enough, it's like, okay, I think we need our own spot. So we, we have a place in Milwaukee and a very small place in Los Angeles where your money doesn't go quite as far, but (laughs) it's been really nice. It's been, it's been the best of both worlds where, you know, a lot of what I do is online. So I'm able to still work when I'm in Wisconsin. And then I just make sure that when I'm in LA that I'm jam packing as many shoots out there as possible. So, you know, it's a little a little chaotic and, and scheduling is a little difficult, but I try and pack as much in when I'm out in L.A. and, and spend as much time with family when I'm in Wisconsin. Well, and look, you have a, a massive professional background out there in California we're, we're going to talk about, but I do want to chat real quick about the job in Wisconsin. So when you decided to do dual residency with your husband, was it weird, you know, being, you know, somebody who's been on national television for a while, been out in California to, I guess, did you have to search for a job in Wisconsin or did, did you know people? How did it work? Yeah, yeah. I just networked, applied to some jobs that I was interested in. And, and so, yeah, in addition to running my own content creation company, Empowerista, and doing freelance television work, I also have a a full-time job doing, I mean, my, my title is public relations, but really it's content creation because mm-hmm. public relations has changed so right. much. So it's not as much traditional pitching media, although that still exists, of course. It's a little bit more of being a content creator yourself. So, so running social media channels, um, producing videos for all the different platforms, um, so yeah, I, I I applied old fashioned way and well, I guess a, a modern way online and um, and yeah, it, it just felt like a really good fit. It felt like a the direction that I wanted to take my career. I, I love being on camera and hosting, but I also really like the behind the scenes too. And and it's crucial, I think, to be successful in this industry to have a skill set in both, uh, you know, being in front of the camera and behind the camera. Um, and, and the more that I've learned the skills to be behind the scenes, the more I've really loved that and seen so much opportunities for growth. So um, I'm in definitely a season of nourishing that part of my career. And, and it's really interesting, you know, reflecting since we're talking about life after the crown, uh, 2009 gosh that was so long ago now <laughs> but it's it's it's, uh, it's it's fun to reflect back and think about how uh, things have evolved and and the different directions that my career has taken and how I've pivoted and and that's what makes it fun you know you I think at, at the time when I was Miss Wisconsin I had one idea of what I wanted to do, and then you just start trying things and seeing what you like and seeing what you don't like and see what doors open and which close, and and you just kind of say yes to life and experiences, and um, and it can it certainly can be scary and it doesn't always work out. There's a lot of rejection, um, but but it it does ultimately big picture wise work out. 
Well, and I'm really interested to hear, you know, Miss Wisconsin USA 2009. I th- Every girl that I've talked to on this podcast, they all have something that happens after that last pageant, and they're like, oh, my gosh, what now? For you, um, you know, how did that scenario go? Oh, it was a rough year, super, super rough. And, and I think it's great that you've created a platform to allow women to be honest about that. But if you're having a rough year after you're done, competing in pageants, you are so not alone. In 2009, not only did I give up my title, I also graduated from college that year, and it was the height of the recession. So not only was I done being Miss Wisconsin USA, I was done being a college student, and I it took me over a year to get a full-time job. And granted, that full-time job was amazing that I ended up getting. I was a morning news anchor for an NBC affiliate in Rockford, Illinois. And and that really, I, I give so much credit to that first opportunity that kind of set me on this path of both hosting and being a producer. Uh, but that year was rough. You know, it, it really <laughs> felt like I had peaked in life, you know, like yeah. I, I, I had peaked in life. And then there's also the disappointment of, you know, what title holder doesn't want to be Miss USA. You get this chance to compete at Miss USA and, and those months leading up to the competition, you put your all into it. Everything you have, I mean, it consumes you physically, mentally, emotionally. And when that dream doesn't become a reality, it's crushing. It's devastating. It, it really does take a while to, to get over it. But the amazing thing is, as I can say, all these years later, you know, you, you get over it. <laughs> you do. You get over it and you become, you, you know, you grow, you grow from it. And I wouldn't have done it any other way. You know, I, I'm really happy with the way it turned out because I feel like I ended up being on the exact path that I needed to be on. So would you say, um, you know, considering you go through that year after and for many of you, it is a difficult year because it feels like I'm a nobody again. You know, I, I don't have anything anymore to, you know, yeah. I, I'm not miss so-and-so. Do you feel like it's really important to keep your eye on it as a marathon and not a sprint? Because, you know, I mean, look at you, for instance. I mean, you've done really well for yourself, but, you know, that first year wasn't the prettiest. So, you know, is that how you tried to view it uh, when you got done? I, I definitely, oh, I wish I had that because that, you know, I was level-headed like that to be able to view it like it was a marathon. I, I think I really sat in that despair a little bit, you know. <laughs> um, but then, but I, I think that you get glimmers of hope, you know, where um, – I guess my best advice is is that first year, whether it's after a pageant or anything that comes to an end, and when you feel like you're in a little bit of a, a lull in life, it's just to, to take action, to put yourself out there. And what I mean by that is, you know, meet with people. If, if you're if you're if think that you're interested in a career in journalism or or sales or being a nurse or a lawyer or whatever it is, meet with people that you can learn from. Um, you know, I that first year at college, I went to a great school. I went to the University of Wisconsin. It's a competitive college, but again, it was the height of the recession, and I had to take an internship and, and work for free, you know? So the more that you can take a step back and humble yourself more, and to your point, look at it as a marathon, that would have been really helpful had I just 
had that big picture in mind that this is a marathon, this isn't a sprint, and now we have to figure out how to run this next mile. <laughs> and um, and just really take action, take steps to move forward to get clarity on, on what that next chapter is going to be. So if you looked back now, you know, we're talking, uh, I guess, nine years later now, what would you tell? Yeah. What would you tell yourself back in that year that was really rough? Now, just not to worry so much. And I, I can use that reminder still to this day. So much easier than done, right? But I, I really do believe that everything works out. And I know that that sounds cliche, but that's really been my experience. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's not to say that it's not a bumpy road. It's not to say that there aren't a lot of no's, rejections. But if you just stay the course and keep moving forward and, and showing up in life every day and, and humbling yourself, growing, learning, networking, if you, if you do all the things, it, it really, truly works out in the end. Well, and you've certainly been able to do some great things. Now, I, I think the modern-day pageant world, now, for those of you listening, if you have competed in the last three years, um, you probably know Alex best for her work as the host of the, the 2015 Miss USA um, with, our, with, by the way, our mutual friend Todd Newton. Um, and then, of course, last yeah. year you, you hosted the prelims. Um, but let's go back to the 2015 Miss USA because you know, I, I'm sure there's a really interesting story here that we need to hear because this, of course, was the pageant that it was right in the middle of the whole you know, Donald Trump comment controversy. The networks back out of airing the pageant. The hosts then go ahead and back out. And then it sounds like you and Todd, you know, got the call at that point. So can you tell us how it all unfolded and, and kind of what it was like from your standpoint? Yeah, it was absolutely a whirlwind and one of the best experiences of my life. Um, you know, the pageant was, I think it was probably a Sunday, and I got the call the Monday beforehand. <laughs> so I didn't even have a full week's notice. When my agent called me, I just screamed with excitement. I mean, I I can't even describe just how excited and grateful and nervous I was. Um, It was a cool full circle moment, you know, because I went into the pageant being or even competing at Miss Wisconsin USA in the first place because I wanted to be in the entertainment industry. And I remember being on the Miss USA stage and thinking, how cool would it be to host this pageant? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, obviously we know the outcome. I didn't win Miss USA, but then to be able to come back and host it was like such a cool redemption moment. And, and it was just so, so special and so fun and and it also was crazy and chaotic because like you said there was a lot of controversy going on so because of that it attracted a lot of media attention so big shows like Extra and Access Hollywood they wanted to interview me and it's like what me why (laughs) Um, so that was a really interesting thing to navigate and there were a lot of haters on social media that I just had to ignore I just did not, with the exception of posting some photos, I was not on social media mm-hmm. that week. I was trying to just kind of stay in my zone and stay focused. And uh, I remember before going on the live show, I was so nervous. I was really nervous just because of the pressure. I mean, first of all, I had never hosted a show that had that many viewers before, but then also 
pile on top of that that there, I, I was very aware that were, there were a lot of people who kind of wanted to see me fail mm -hmm. because of the controversy and it became political, even though in my opinion, it shouldn't have become political. Um, and, and so kind of that pressure really hit me, but I just took that hour before the pageant and really got in the zone and did some deep breathing and, and really centering myself. And, and I just like recited a mantra to myself that I'm just here to, you know, be a light and, and serve and help make sure that these girls have an amazing experience and, and it worked out. <laughs> I, I not only got through the show, I had so much fun. First of all, yes, how cool for you. I mean, what a what an awesome experience, and I'm sure it was like a dream come true. Um, the thing you did bring up that it I think— It really was. I, I think it's really interesting. Um, you know, I think the pageants, basically, since the pageant that you hosted, you know, they've become more political than they ever have been before. And for the girls who compete and they go on that national stage, we just saw it this year again, you know, where they get into that top five and they usually end up dealing with a, you know, a political question per se. Um, yeah. You know, you're somebody who has dealt with the online back and forth. You know, you've got the people who love you and then the people who just for an affiliation with a, a business in this case, you, you got a lot of hate. Yeah. How did how, how what's the best way that somebody can deal with that when they're getting ready to prepare for the national pageants? Honestly, to not consume it. And I know it's hard. It's really a tough balance because. I'm a content creator. Part of my job and my role as a professional is to be on social media. And I know for a lot of these contestants, both during the pageant prep and after, they have to be active on social. So it's that tough balance between not ignoring something really important and that's being active on social media, but at the same time, knowing where to stay focused. Mm -hmm. So it might be that you post and ghost <laughs> as uh, someone that I really look up to, Jenna Kutcher. She's a social media expert. Uh, and she, she says when you're building, not to do that, but you might have to break that rule when, when you are in a situation where you're susceptible to so many haters because it doesn't do any good. You know, I, I think that there's a really big difference between constructive criticism and just destructive criticism. And by all means, uh, take in the constructive criticism. That's really important. But when somebody is being mean and nasty and, and you know that th their intentions are not good, mm -hmm. uh, then you don't even consume, consume that. So that might mean not looking at, you know, your mentions on Twitter and that kind of thing. Yeah, well, I think it's some really good advice there. And I'm really interested to know. So, you, you know, as you mentioned, you were a former contestant on that Miss USA stage. You thought, you know, how cool would it be to host that? Was that a, a goal that you had kind of set for yourself? I mean, I'm interested to know, did your agent call you because he said, my, my, my client would love to do this job. I'm going to call her. How did it how did that play out? Well, I did plan to see with my agent. I mean, to answer your first question, I don't think it was a conscious. I would, when I was Miss Wisconsin USA and on the Miss USA stage, I didn't consciously go, oh, I'm, I'm going to host this show someday. But I do remember thinking it would be cool to host the show someday. And then obviously I ended up taking a path of journalism and hosting. And, and that increasingly became something that I just thought would be amazing so when I knew all of this was going on with the host backing out of the pageant in 2015, I had planted a seed 
to my agent and I said, Hey, you know, maybe we should put my hat in the ring. So I did, I did say that. And he then it pitched me. He um, had a relationship with the universe organization. So he was able to pitch me and they jumped on it. And, and they really liked that I was a former Miss Wisconsin USA and that I had hosting experience. Um, and it, it was a good year to bring back a former title holder because ultimately, of course, I was doing it because I really believed in the pageant and had a passion for the pageant not because of any political reason. Uh, so it was a really good year to to bring me in. And, and kind of going back here a little bit through your professional career, as we mentioned, you, you were born and raised in Wisconsin. Uh, and then you, you said you got that first job, I believe, in Rockford. Was that Rockford, Illinois? Yeah. 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 And, and then you went through a, a few different markets. You worked that grueling, you know, get up at 2 a.m. and go in for work schedule. I know all about that. That's not any fun. But why did you end up deciding yeah. to move on from broadcast news? You know, the hours were tough. <laughs> that was definitely <laughs> I definitely, I, I would summarize it like this. I, I didn't feel fulfilled with the type of stories that I was telling. So um, I, I worked in three different markets, Rockford, Illinois, Oklahoma City, and Dallas. Each show I worked on was slightly different. Um, the, the first show that I worked on was a lot of hard news, a lot of death and destruction, a lot of pointing out the problems but not the solutions. And I also worked on a couple shows that were a little fluffy, for lack of a better word, um, didn't offer a lot of substance. And, and that's not to discredit those experiences. Again, I wouldn't trade them for anything and had so much fun, learned a ton, but I wanted to tell stories that I was more excited about. Um, so that really inspired me to go to, out to LA where, you know, the sky's the limit. Well, hey, the good news is you are not alone because pretty much what you described is exactly why I left broadcasting. So, you know, that, that whole if it bleeds, it leads mentality, you know, it just, it, does, yeah. it just wears on you after a while. Yeah, you you really, really have to love it. And I have some peers who are still in the industry, and they love it, and they're great at it. And and I think that's the one thing I would tell anyone who's considering going into more traditional broadcast journalism, mm -hmm. local TV, you just have to have such a passion for it and absolutely love it for it to be sustainable. It's not to say that it's not a great experience for someone like you and I who, you know, go in, you, you know, you're in it for a few years, you learn a ton, and you can take those skills and they're so transferable, you know. But I think to the, the lifers, they are diehard passionate about it. <laughs> they certainly are, the anchors that have been there for yeah. 50 years. Yeah, I totally get that. Well, speak, yeah. you know, speaking of broadcasting, uh, you know, broadcast journalism. Um, I think in the pageant industry, this is probably the number one aspiration. Now, do they specifically want to go into news? Maybe not, but they realize that, you know, news is a good start to get into, you know, hosting or, you know, getting to E or Access Hollywood or any of those big jobs. Um, but it's changed quite a bit over the past 10 years. I mean, you know, yeah. from, from when I was in it, I mean, I, it, it's changed immensely. So, you know, from your standpoint as a, you know, former pageant contestant, somebody who got into it, worked in a couple of different markets, could you give girls listening maybe some advice on both the good aspects of, of taking that route and then the ones that, you know, maybe weren't so desirable? Yeah, well, I'll speak to a little bit how it's changed. 
uh, having good on camera skills no longer cut it alone cuts it alone uh, you have to have a lot more than that they nowadays really really value social media followings they really value having an expertise or maybe unique point of view that you can bring on camera um, certainly having behind-the-scenes skills, writing, editing, producing, those can be really helpful. So my advice is, is really understand the industry and know that there's a lot more to it than just being on camera. And, and I, I think it's a great, great career path for, for a lot of uh, pageant contestants because, you know, we're ambitious and, and we want to challenge ourselves and we're totally capable of, of doing many things. And, and it's a great career for someone who wants to challenge themselves in a variety of ways and be very well-rounded. Well, now I know that some of the jobs that we mentioned at the top of the podcast, they're the fun ones that definitely, they're, they're tweaking the interest of those who are listening. You know, everything from, you know, working red carpets, hosting backstage at the CMAs, working with E. So uh, my question is, you know, how often do you get to do jobs like that? Uh, and what's your favorite type to do? Sure. So uh, candidly, the big glamorous ones like that, not very often. You know, those ones are, are definitely harder to come by and they're going a lot more to celebrities or social media influencers with, with huge followings. With that said, there's a lot more digital opportunities, which is really exciting right now in the industry. And those are lending themselves to people who do have a wider skill set. So, so the, you know, the woman or guy, if, if it's a male journalist, who can do the writing and the producing and, and, and pretty much be a one-man band. So where some of the opportunities are becoming fewer and farther between, and unfortunately, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but in, in my experience, those more glamorous, traditional red carpet opportunities are becoming further you're fewer and further between, but uh, where there are some more opportunities are in the digital space. So, so that's a really, really fun and, and cool thing that's happening right now in the industry. Now, you anchor a show called Business Rockstars, and I know it's partnered uh, with some big brands. Um, tell us about that show and how you got involved. Yeah. So Business Rockstars is a multimedia show all about entrepreneurship primarily interviews with entrepreneurs, but also some business news. And I guess I met, I met one of the producers at a networking event and told him about Empowerista, which is my content company. And so I first was a guest on the show. And then they put two and two together that, oh, she's an entrepreneur herself. She has business sense. And also she has a background in TV hosting. And at the time, they happened to be looking for a TV host. So it was a little bit of preparation meets opportunity. You know, I, I had the, the skills and experience that they were looking for, and it was the right time. And, I, and it's a good example of what I was talking about earlier, where a lot of these hosting positions, they want you to have uh, an expertise and a point of view. 
And so I really fulfilled that for this role because I went in and was able to be knowledgeable about entrepreneurship. So again, it wasn't just that I had the skill to be on camera, but I also could help them with writing and producing, booking, and then of course could to entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, we'll talk about a power to here in a minute. I want to spend a significant amount of time on that because I know that's one of the big things you're doing. But before we do, I do want to talk agents for a minute because I know a lot of girls, uh, they ask, you know, is an agent necessary to get into, um, in this case, let's just say TV hosting. Now, you're represented by William Morris Endeavor, you know, which for all intensive purposes, they're, just, they're the big dog. You know, they're the big dog in the agency world. So, how did you go about getting an agent and has your experience been a good one? Yeah. Um, so my very first agent actually happened to be one of the preliminary judges at Miss USA. Oh, no kidding. And yeah, yeah. And I Facebook messaged him afterwards and said, hey, I want to get into this <laughs> industry. Uh, what can I do? <laughs> and that is kind of the story of my life. Wow. <laughs> that's, uh, that's how I've, I've gotten a lot of my opportunities is just asking and just, you know, introducing yourself. Uh, you know, there's always a fine line between pestering someone and, and, and persistence, which is necessary. Um, but I think you learn that as you go in your career and, and, and don't be afraid to, to put yourself out there, reach out, ask questions, and that's exactly what I did. And he ended up saying that I needed a reel, and at the time, I I didn't even know what would where to start for a reel, <laughs> what I should even put on a reel. Um, so I went out and I made a reel. I luckily had some internships where I could get some footage for my reel. I um, well, my now husband, then boyfriend, he shot. <laughs> He shot some stand-up for me on uh, on the video camera that he owned at the time. Um, and so I put together this reel, and he ended up representing me and getting me that first TV job. And then the first TV job led to the second one, which led to the third one. Um, and then finally, when I was in Dallas, I was at a level where I felt comfortable reaching out to some of the bigger agents Mm -hmm. and I really just cold emailed them. So the agent at William Morris Endeavor, I literally just sent an email and introduced myself and and put my reel in the email and he ended up getting back to me and, you know, he has a connection to the Miss Universe organization. So I do think it piqued his interest that I was a former Miss Wisconsin USA and that's really good news for all the title holders or former title holders who are listening is a lot of times that title really does get you in the door and then ultimately you're the one that has to has to sell yourself for the job but um, it is amazing how powerful that title could be. Well, I, look, that's great. I, that's an awesome story because I, it has to be more rewarding that way, the way you approached it, because if you, you feel like you earned it rather than, you know, I think a lot of people listening are probably like, well, she probably knew somebody and she got in that way. No, you, you did it the you did it the old fashioned way. I think that's great. Yeah, so, it, it is amazing. I think a lot of times it's so easy to overthink things or just assume that exactly what you said, that you have to know someone. Um, but really, it's, it's easy to know someone. All you have to do is introduce yourself and start a conversation. 
Well, yeah, and look, I think a lot of girls listening, they do have that perception a little bit. You know, gosh, I, I don't I don't live in L.A. or New York. I don't know any agents. Who am I? You know, they're not going to think anything of me if I email them. You're saying go ahead and do it anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And I can tell you that I when I was in Dallas and emailed William Morris Endeavor, I also emailed probably 30 other agents. And I think maybe only two responded. So that's how that industry works, you know, um, but you only need one yes. You know, you're going to get a lot of no's, but you only need one yes. I like that. I like that approach. So let's talk Empowerista. I, I know this is a real love of yours. You put a lot of time and effort into building that brand and community. And by the way, how relevant in today's society and culture is Empowerista. So talk about where the idea came from for you. Thank you. Yeah. So going back to your question when you said, okay, why did you kind of want to get out of uh, local news? Mm -hmm. I, I wanted to tell stories that I was passionate about, and I started to realize I was really passionate about female empowerment. I started a blog once I got out to L.A. One of the pieces of advice that my agent gave me was to develop that expertise and point of view that I mentioned a couple times in this interview. And so I started a blog to kind of support that and really not even put a ton of pressure on it, but just to start writing to see what I enjoyed writing about and to really find my voice. And I ended up writing a lot about female empowerment and confidence and developing one's career. And so it really started very organically with me just writing about it on my blog. I started an Instagram account and it caught on. That was really the next thing is that it started to gain traction. So it was unique in that I was building this brand before I even ever thought about a product or a service or how to monetize. Um, and, and that was really powerful. I think that is a great way to start for anyone who's interested in entrepreneurship um, or, or taking a similar route that I did and developing an expertise is, is just to start creating content. And from there, I tried different things. I've, I've hosted events associated with the community that I've built. I've done a lot of um, content and social media collaborations with brands and influencers. And I do a lot of creating my own content, helping other brands create their content. Uh, the biggest thing that I'm really excited about right now is the Empowerista TV show, which airs on KAZA in the Los Angeles metro area. And it's primarily an interview show. So I interview women who are trailblazers and, and just really kicking butt in their field. And you're doing a really good job with that. So I... So take me back to, I guess, the organic way that this developed. You mentioned you started writing a blog on something that connected with you. So uh, I guess I, I want to try to compare it to, you know, this podcast, for instance. Uh, it started because I saw a challenge for a lot of the girls in which, you know, they were having trouble making the transition from pageants to, you know, professional life. What was the thing in your life that caused you to be so passionate about, you know, wanting to empower women? I would just say that there was something within me and something within a lot of the women in my life that I was really keenly aware of that women often, we doubt ourselves and don't feel enough and compare ourselves. 
And there are stats to prove that women as a whole have less confidence compared to men. And, you know, the interesting thing is on, on the outside, I think I would have always been seen as a very confident person. I do consider myself a confident person, but I haven't always felt that way. I can very much so relate to the struggle so many women face. And at the end of the day, I, I really just want women to be equal leaders as men. I think both men and women will really benefit from women living up to their potential. You know, I mean, just think of all the untapped potential that is out there waiting to be brought out. And I wanted to be a part of that solution. And, you know, going back to storytelling and the stories that I want to be a part of and to tell, uh, I was really, really motivated in the sense I, I remember being in middle school and high school and, and seeing so many images of women in the media that were not empowering. In fact, they were often very disempowering. And I always had this passion within me that felt like there's so much more to women than we are giving credit, you know, giving them credit for in the media. Um, and I, I, I wanted to tell those stories about how diverse and eclectic women can be and um, and they and they really can have it all and embody it all. Well, and I think that movement is happening now, especially in the pageant world. We're seeing, you know, women supporting each other rather than judging each other and, you know, cutting each other down for looks or whatever. Um, but here's what I'm interested to know. And this is pr- probably 100 percent female audience, by the way. But as a man, yeah. okay, so you're running an organization called Empowerista. How can we as men help you girls to do what you're doing with them? Oh, I love that you asked that. I mean, just the fact that you are asking the question, period, means that you're, <laughs> you know, you're, part of, you're part of the solution. I think the, the big thing, obviously, there, there's the softer ways you can help by, by offering advice and, um, and encouragement. And, and I don't even mean to say softer in a way to discredit that. That's really meaningful. You know, that's, that's just something that any male, if they do happen to be listening, can do. It's just, it's just be uh, supportive emotionally of the women and their life. But I think the real, real power comes in giving women opportunities. So if there's a male who is in a position where he's um, an employer or maybe can connect a woman to someone, any way that a male can leverage his resources to help provide women with opportunities, that is really, really powerful because I think a lot of confidence and growing one's career or business really just comes from getting that first opportunity and then that second one and then that third one. You know, it goes back to what I was saying with the morning news anchor job in Rockford, Illinois. I can trace everything that's happened in my career back to that one opportunity. You know, so if you can give a woman an opportunity, that is huge. 
maybe is this podcast helpful? Is this, you know, is this helping empower women? I guess that's a good question for you. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> this is a great, great example of providing a resource for, for women and an opportunity, a platform. I think it's really powerful to provide a platform and opportunity for women to share their voices and their stories. You know, what I was saying about growing up, I saw all these stories and was consuming all these stories about women that were disempowering. A lot of the time it was because women didn't have the platform to share their perspective. And it was, you know, a film that was written by a male and a woman was just reciting words that were written by a male. And it's, and it's not to say that sometimes that can't be done right, but so often it's done wrong, you know? So the fact that you're providing a platform where women get to share their voices and connect with one another is super powerful. Well, good. I appreciate that. Not, look, I think you hit the nail on the head where, you know, stories are where it's at. You know, we come from the broadcast world, anything in television, you know, all about, it's all about storytelling and you, you do a great job. I've watched a bunch of your videos on Empowerista. You do a great job with, you know, interviewing those women and, and, Helping other women to see, you know, this is what empowering or power looks like as a woman. And I think that's great. So is this a 100 percent entrepreneurial project for you or, or have you partnered with any other media or organizations to create Empowerista or is it all Alex Worley? Yeah, I do a lot of collaborations. So the TV show is a collaboration with Focus media. They help me produce the show. And then, of course, also a collaboration with the, the TV company and the TV station, I should say. And then I also partner on content with business rock stars and, and, and the list goes on. Yeah, I'm constantly collaborating. I think that's a really, really important thing when you're growing your brand, when you're growing your business is to find synergy and alignment between your brand and others. So I guess the question, if you don't mind answering, is what's what's the big picture aspirations here for you moving forward? Really doing more of what I'm doing. Yeah, it, it's pretty neat because I'm at a place in my career where I, I feel like I'm doing what I want to be doing, you know? And so, so as it growing is just the cherry on top, you know, the bigger the audience, the bigger the platform, um, the bigger the brands I get to work with. That's just the icing on the cake. But really, at the end of the day, I am creating content and telling the stories that I want to be telling. Well, hey, before we go here, uh, you're probably one of the more unique people that I've had on this podcast. I mean, you do a lot of different stuff. You're very diverse in your abilities and talents and, um, you know, just what you've done as an entrepreneur. So for those listening, what kind of advice do you have for them as they're going to get into the professional world and they're thinking, you know, kind of like you, they're thinking, I want to be an entrepreneur. I kind of want to control my situation. What would you say to them right now? Ooh. <laughs> it's a loaded question. I would say, yeah, no, it's good. It's a good question. Um, I would say really build a brand. So a lot of times people get confused between the difference between a brand and a business. A brand is the look and the feel, uh, what you're known for. Um, it's, a lot of times people think just the way it, it looks, like colors and a logo. That's part of it, but it's so much more than that. It's, it's your voice, it's your vision, it's your experts. 
expertise. And the more you can build a personality either around yourself, if you're, if you're wanting your business to be around yourself, or, or whatever your business is, um, I think the more you're going to be able to have freedom to try different things, to really discover ultimately what product or service it is that you want to create. Oh, cool. Well, I appreciate you sharing the advice. And by the way, if any of the girls want to reach out to you, maybe just for some advice, is there a way they can get a hold of you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I'm super accessible. You're welcome to email me, alex.empowerista at gmail.com. But keeping up with me on social media is always a great idea, at Alex Worley and at Empowerista on Instagram. Uh, and hey, by the way, when, so you're in Wisconsin now. When do you go back to L.A.? How often? Uh, how, how do you split that time? Um, about once a month. I go back to L.A. primarily in Wisconsin right now through that full-time job. And I'm going back next in a couple weeks. And I've got my shoots lined up, ready to go. Well, hey, I appreciate the time. Thanks for doing this. And uh, I hope we get to work on a job again like we did in Vegas a couple of years ago. So it's, I uh, know. That yeah. would be great. That was so fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank so, you so much for having me on the show. Like I said, I really, I, I think I said this before we started the podcast, but I think what you're doing is really amazing because I remember that year after competing at Miss USA and it was a rough year and I really could have used this podcast. <laughs> well, I know that you've probably helped some people today by sharing your story. So thanks for doing so. I hope so. Thank you. That is today's episode. Thanks to Alex Worley and thanks for listening to Life After the Crown. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll share it with your friends. Just tell them to go to lifeafterthecrown.com. And if you'd like to get involved in a network of like-minded women who are making professional connections with current and former pageant contestants, go to LinkedIn and request to join the Life After the Crown pageant networking group. And by the way, if you want to keep up with all that's going on here with Life After the Crown, just follow me on Instagram at Tim Tialdo. Until next time, remember the words of Ecclesiastes 4.9. It is better to have a partner than go it alone. Share the work, share the wealth. And if one falls down the other helps. See you next week, everybody.